Hello and welcome to the very first edition of Spotlight. My name is Destin. And I'm Drew. And if you've been listening to the show for a while now, you probably know that we have done several interviews with some fantastic progressive rock artists. And although we, we love doing interviews, Drew and I, we are actually going to pass off the torch to your new hosts of Prognote Spotlight. So Spotlight is going to be a fireside chat with your favorite up-and-coming or long-established prog artist. You can hear straight from the Tarkus mouth what inspired their music, their creative process, the history of the groups, and much, much more. It's an offshoot of Prognotes. And so these two dorky Canadian counterparts will bring in the best of the genre, connecting fans to the masters behind the music. So please help me and give a round of applause in welcoming your new host to Prognotes Spotlight, Rogan McAndrews and Chelsea Finnegan. What's up, guys? Who are these nerds? Who are these guys? <laughs> Hi. Well, guys, this is exciting. This is our first episode. Uh, oh, yes. I think that we should uh, let people know a little bit about yourselves. Rogan, Chelsea, where are you guys from? You said Canada, but let's be a little bit more specific here. Let's people let people know your <laughs> social security number and everything. Uh, yes. No, but some, some of your interests, what you do for a living, uh, and uh, all of that. What got you into progressive rock, maybe? That'd be a good starting question. Good start. Yeah, so, yeah, I guess I have to kind of head this up because I think I got Chelsea into progressive rock in high school. (laughs) She was, like, kind of down the the line there, and then I just, like, shot that over the top. Uh, I was in classic rock, you know, like Pink Floyd, Led Zeppelin. Rogan was wearing a Rush shirt on our first day of school. I come up to him, and I'm like, I love Rush, and the rest is history. That was nine years ago. That's amazing. Nice. Yes, so I discovered progressive rock through the video game Rock Band. I found the trees. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I remember I that. I remember this. Yeah, and I it was it wasn't even my own. It was like at a party because I think I had Rock Band mm-hmm. one, and then I skipped to three, and they had two, which had the trees on it. I, I no, I, I that's I had a very similar experience. <laughs> yeah, and so I just played that song over and over again all night at this like Christmas party. And then, yeah, the rest is history. I I got on the, the full discography of Rush and then like expanded into areas like Dream Theater. And um, I think Riverside was one of the early ones I got into as well. Um, and yeah, all of that. I think I got Chelsea more along those lines through Porcupine Tree and Stephen Wilson. Um, oh, yeah. You introduced me to Porcupine... Stephen Wilson, Anathema, and then yeah. I my taste slowly turned more <laughs> metal yes <laughs> than yours. <laughs> oh, she, I it's insane. Like I kind of introduced her into the realm of like sort of uh, what is it like hardcore and screaming and 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 stuff and yeah. like the more growly like progressive yep. area stuff. And then she yep. just rolled with it, and now I like. Can't be in the same room with her ever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, crown the empire, Necrogoblicon, and then we go more extreme from there. But I, I thank you for introducing me to the beautiful world of prog rock, Rogan. Oh, it's amazing. That's fantastic. <laughs> and we're from Calgary, Alberta, Canada, and my social security number is <laughs> Shoot. You guys are both from Calgary. And uh, you guys met in high school, right? I'm assuming, is that what you yes. said? Yeah. You guys met yeah. in high school, and you guys have just been able to nerd out of a prog rock sense, which oh, is very yeah. similar to the story of Drew and I as well, because we met uh, freshman year of high school, or grade nine, wow. right? Preschool. 
No, 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 preschool. Right. And I, I even I had like a little Rush onesie, you know. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I bought for myself. I went into a, a department store. You yeah. Know, and I was wearing I was like, wearing, I was wearing a, a, a Fear of a Blank Planet onesie. With yes. the face on it and everything, and it really creeped out right. some of the other preschool kids. But you were like, exactly. That's Everyone really else was cool. doing like back checking the 2007 release date of Fear of a Blank. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 We were we were discussing Porcupine Tree and Rush as as like five year olds. Yeah. It was it was great. You know, I, mean, I think I think around this time around this time was uh, when the the sky moved sideways came out, and so I think that was really what the the you know the talk of the town was for Drew and I mm, when we were yeah. in preschool. And so, uh, okay, this is off the rails. <laughs> this is off the rails. I can't completely tell if you guys are being like really dry and <laughs> <fantastic> or not. <laughs> like, are you for real? Because I wouldn't be surprised given your podcast and your history, <laughs> actually, how your friendship started. Oh man, no, that's that no, was, we that we was we, we met in high school. Uh, I think we we mentioned that in our our uh, our first episode of, of Frog Notes. And yeah. Uh, yeah, no, we had we had a similar experience. It was it was freshman year of high school, and uh, yeah, I came over to Destin. Was like, hey, rush. Yep. <laughs> yep. And then we just ran, and then we, we ran like, with it. Yeah, right. And we started, and we started a band together, and all that. So it was it's really yeah, cool. Yeah. So uh, well, that's yeah. awesome. But let's talk about Chelsea was the one who engaged first. Uh, yeah, hi, I'm Rogan. I'm the introvert of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, so let's talk about uh, just spotlight for a second. Just the, just the concept of this for people who uh, obviously this is our very first edition of this and very first episode. And um, of course, like I said before, this uh, offshoot of the Prognance podcast is going to be an interview show, essentially that'll be hosted by Rogan and Chelsea. Mm. And so we are gonna. You guys have all kinds of really awesome interviews lined up with new and new upcoming, but also some a little bit lo- longer established bands in the progressive rock world and community. And so uh, I'll, I'll let you guys take it away for your, uh, introduce your very first guests on the show. And so I'll, I'll pass, I'll pass off the torch to you guys. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, if Destin and Drew are the dumb and dumber of podcast hosts, Chelsea and I are the dumb and dumber too, because nobody knows where we came from. Uh, <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> Shoot. Uh, but yeah, we're here with this first episode to introduce and interview uh, Arcane Atlas, which is oh my gosh. Drew's band. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's us. <laughs> oh, did did Drew not tell you? Oh man, I don't think so. I thought I was just going to sit here and listen. I stayed in the shadows on this one. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, so uh, yeah, you know, you started this podcast episode off with you guys introducing us, and now. We get to throw it right back and introduce you. So uh, now introducing Destin and Drew of Arcane Atlas. <laughs> Hi. Hi. Thank you for having us. Clap, clap, clap. clap. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, we're thrilled to be here. Yeah, really Shoot. thrilled to be here. Yeah, super excited. Gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we're, as one Spencer in the Discord community put it, this Prog Notes episode has finally reached the inception of prog notes episodes <laughs> turning it in on on itself uh but yeah i guess we can start off with with some of the questions we have uh i think we're gonna mostly focus on uh like maybe your general history and then the your last album which was metris for these okay. questions so good. i guess starting off with just a general question uh what is the origin story of your friendship a few more details 
on that and the follow-up like what is the origin story of the band arcane atlas who wants to who wants to take this one you can uh, you, me. you can take the person i can talk i can take the album okay sure um, well, I mentioned a little bit of it a, a second ago, but uh, in more detail, it was study hall freshman year, and I just started to get a little bit more interested in the bass in general, and I was starting to delve more into progressive rock, and I thought it was pretty cool, and one of my buddies in study hall, who I was very close friends with, um, he said, there's uh, a guy in our study hall, actually, Destin Frost, and I had I didn't know who Destin was at all. I, I didn't I didn't know you. Uh, and he said he, he makes his own music. He's, he's into music a lot too. And he's very serious about it. Like, oh, great. Awesome. Another musician. And it was like, I, I, you know, I went over to him when we were supposed to be studying and I was like, Hey, he like music. he's like, uh, I mean, yeah. Like what? What? Yeah. And I was like, I listen to Rush, man. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, and he, and he knew. I think uh, a couple of tracks. You, you, you mm-hmm. I specifically remember Y Y Z. I remember mm-hmm. that being something that you had mentioned, and I was yeah. like, the rest of the album. The rest of the album's amazing, right? And so uh, I was, he was like, no, no, I haven't. I was like, well, I'm gonna show this to you. Let me know what you think, and also we should get together and jam sometime. They're like, yeah, totally down. And the rest was history. I mean, we we really clicked very easily musically. Um, and we were both trying to advance our skills. You know, we were very young and everything. And um, it just it just really, really clicked. That's the best way to, to say it. We had a, a chemistry there, which was great. So, And it has flourished ever since. <laughs> yeah. No, definitely. It was, it was one of those. It's just, yeah, it was super easy for us to be able to start playing stuff together and writing together because we both mm-hmm. had the same type of interests in music and so it was we were, we just knew kind of like where we wanted our, our what our music to sounded like we, we just knew kind of the direction of even the band before it was even started like we probably knew that it was just going to yeah. be a progressive rock band uh influenced well, we by older a stuff. lot of the pioneers yeah exactly yeah i mean you know we played some newer stuff too i'm mean, well newish i mean you know we played some u2 and some dave matthews as like covers and everything but a lot of the covers we did starting out with stuff like the beatles and rush and the doors and the police and stuff like that yep and i, I think it was such a seminal point in my life and i'm sure destin's too because we were discovering this music together that's what was so brilliant about it yes was that yeah. i was i mean i was kind of discovering it on my own but it was such such a a, a relief to be able to share this with someone and such a joy to be able to be like hey have you heard this and he would do the same with me have you heard this one yet from this band i was like no not yet i haven't gotten there and it was it was great it was you know it was a really formative time for both of us we were really establishing hey this is the kind of music that we both really connect with on a fundamental level and exploring that not only by listening to the music but also playing it too and later on writing it so yeah, oh, it was yeah. great. I got a, I got a story for you. We were in the it's like we have this big four way stop in in our high school where like these it was literally a an intersection um, of all these hallways, four different hallways that were different both, hallways, all that, of them very trafficked. For, yes, you know it was it was insanity. The big and intersection. So, yeah, yeah, you would have all of these like senior guys you know thought they were cool and like plow their way through the you know what I mean. It's like <laughs> here we go, man, boom, and then they would just start running through the hallway. <laughs> Um, and so I remember I was in the middle of, uh, in the middle of this four way stop is what we called it. And I was walking down into the next class and drew like comes out of Mr. Adams, 
It was out of Mr. Adams' class. I remember him. And he's like, yeah. He comes out of uh, out of his uh, one of his classes, and he goes, "Dude, you know what I just you know I've been listening to lately." And I was like, "What?" And he was like, "Yes, have you heard this?" And he's like listening to, I think it was close to the edge. I think it was like I think it was close to the edge or something like that. And uh, I just I specifically remember that story because I was like, "No, I haven't really heard this yet." And then I went back and started listening to it, and you know, and now Yes is just it's a you know foundational band when it comes yeah. to the you know the progressive rock progressive rock realm and all of that and so yeah we have cool stories like that where we uh would listen to something together. i think i remember the first time that we both heard discipline as well by king crimson it was just a lot of like random stories like that that we have uh yeah, yeah that we got to that we got to like listen and discover this stuff together and that's honestly probably the uh the main reason why our podcast is so much fun is because it's quite yeah. nostalgic in a way and we also get to continue to do the same thing that we have been doing when we were in high school. Like we're still continuing to learn and discover new music on the show by listening to all of these different bands and artists that we haven't heard of. And then we get to chat about it, which is exactly like what we did in high school. It was great. Yes. Yeah, and you guys so, definitely haven't lost that energy and excitement that you're sharing about the four-way stop. Like I can, on your podcast, you can tell that you guys are just like, <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> so... You talked yeah. about <laughs> you talked about starting off doing covers of like The Doors and Rush and probably yes, but and you also had mentioned that you eventually started writing your own music for Arcane Atlas and I was just wondering what led you to deciding to write your own music and what was the process for that? Yeah, so I think the the process started with us at at, at the start we were a cover band and we uh, the very first name of the band that we had after we picked up a guitar player. Eric Besner, or the Bez, as we so called him, and uh, we, uh, the name of the band was Vintage Vision, and that was really the statement to, we like old stuff, like we like older bands, we like listening to some of this stuff, and I remember, you know, our sophomore, junior year, or something like that, we played the entirety of Livilla Strangiato at a spring day concert, <laughs> like no one got it, no one understood what we were doing. We played all of La Villa at spring we did. day? Yeah, we did. We did the entire Rush some medley. Of those tracks, we, totally we did the entire Rush medley, and then we did ended the Rush it. medley. Yeah, and the end was the full like the nine minutes. The end was the full nine minutes yeah. of Labilla. Like it didn't make any yeah. sense whatsoever. But either way, like that was just the statement of what we. There were some enjoyed. teachers who got it. There weren't many to be on. Yeah. You know, you would expect maybe like the older crowd to get it, but even for the older crowd, like you know, forty plus, like not all of them are prog nerds, and so nope. like you know, a lot of them didn't get it too. There were a couple of of people out there, very few, but a couple who were like. I get it, but yeah. it was like one out of the I don't know, like thirty people know, that man. came to see yeah. <laughs> passing in and out on that day. In and out, it was just it was bizarre. So anyway, but yeah, so we we started covering a lot of the a lot of that music, and I think just us being naturally creative people, and and Bez being incredibly incredibly creative person and writer, um, that eventually just us started into that process i don't really remember the very first like hey let's write a song i do remember uh i think the very first song that we wrote was tessellate i think or i don't even remember bro i think it was Was tessellate Tessellate or ataraxia i think it was tessellate i think it was tessellate i think that was the very first one that we wrote and uh, prog rock song names (laughs) i I know yeah they are well and ataraxia was just a a name that that destin looked up or or saw one day on like Uh word of the day or something like that he thought it sounded cool and we were like screw it let's do it that sounds fun it was no other way and nerdy and so yeah Um, it was great it was great but 
So yeah, that, that, that start of that with uh, with us writing music, I think by the time that we reached our junior year, so we were in high school from 2010 to 2014. And so by our junior year in 2013, we basically uh, had enough music for an EP. And so we decided to put a, uh, a short little EP of five songs. And then um, by the time that the end of our senior year, we reworked some of those songs and then added a couple of more. And then we did our full length album the summer after we graduated. And so that process really though, is um, I had a nice, I had an attic space um, where I had my drum set and it was, it was dank, man. It was it jank, right. dank, it jank, was so whatever. Great. You had a soundboard and everything too. We could mm-hmm. like plug in headphones and we could hear yep. each, like we could have personalized mixes, custom mixes. It was fantastic. And you had yeah. a, a couple of microphones. I mean, it was the dream garage band setup. Like, yep. It felt oh, it was studio like, yeah. and it was it was great because you know you could really hear everything clearly, and so it was a perfect rehearsal space. It had a lot of space in there. It was the dream situation, man. It was especially amazing. for a bunch of kids. Oh yeah, and, you know who? Oh you yeah, know, it was. It was, and it was like the room too was amazing because it wasn't completely finished. The room, the room wasn't finished. So you know, up in this <laughs> attic, we wanted to turn it into a space like a, a rehearsal space, and so we like tacked up drywall like and it wasn't like no no putty no tape or anything it's just tacked up there and the exposed wood on the side man we would rehearse in in winter months oh i was cold yeah we had to have like plug up heaters we had plug up heaters that went into the wall and then there was a there was one window and in that one window (laughs) there was that uh that small little air conditioner you know window air conditioner and there was no carpet so like we we had this like scrap carpet that we found that we just threw down on the ground. And with the weight of the furniture and the room and everything, that's what kept it dead. So it was like random pieces <laughs> of like carpet and a couch here, a chair. And then Bez would have his amp over against the wall. And my drum set would be in the corner and we had the amp, the PA yeah. system. Play. It was great. It was, it was awesome. Mm-hmm. It was so much fun. Like for how janky that space sounds like those I find are like the most creative places. Oh yeah, and that's where we recorded the the EP. We did the EP in that room, and so I mean, yeah, it was a super MacGyvered type of uh-huh. production with the first EP <laughs> must we have made. Gotten a such a unique sound out of that room too. Like, <laughs> it you'll was never garbage. be able to recreate that. It was, hot. It was so bad. It was I mean, garbage. the EP <laughs> so bad. Yeah, I mean, we had a friend of ours who knew how to like, you know, do basic stuff with with Logic and. Uh, that's what he did, right? That was yeah, that was Will. Yep. And and I mean, yeah, it was terrible quality, but you know, <laughs> we we got some stuff together, and that was great because it was a, like Destin said, it was the foundation of what would become our first album, right? So yep, it was good. And I also still love the name and the artwork for it, the the Specters Attainment EP. Yeah, it was great. Good. I liked it. It was a lot of fun. And so yeah, that's kind of the the whole the birth process of just a starting to write music and then record music was really that room and all of us coming over after school and just being up there for an entire afternoon and just jam play and yeah. write and well and we yeah we we met so much and we were like we wanted to do gigs we like it and i think it just naturally came to be that we were like we got to start writing our own material and that's when yeah. in sophomore year we started writing and then like you said that's junior years when we finally for a while like said let's these all together in an EP. Yep. We had five songs. We like music point. so much yeah. that we just, yeah, we wanted to experiment with stuff. And stuff that Bez was writing was just so, so creative. I mean, he would just mm-hmm. come in with something that he wrote. And I was like, 
that's awesome. Let me put something to that. And yeah, it, like like you said, very conducive to the creative process was that environment we're talking about. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. So you've mentioned a few other names like Bez and Will during your little spiels there, but is Arcane Atlas now just the two of you guys? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I would say so. I mean, we still love to collaborate, uh, particularly with, with Bez every now and then. And I mean, the, the project that we've been working on for a while, of course, we've been so inundated with so many other things going on in our lives that we haven't been able to finish. But um, a song that we've been working on for a while that was definitely Bez who was writing it with us. So. Um, yeah, it's it's just the two of us. Um, we're the ones who have stayed active and kind of in each other's lives and everything. Um, you know, we still check in with Bez every now and then, but it's so difficult when uh, you know we're all scattered across the country. Uh, Destin's in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm in Los Angeles, California. Bez is in Albuquerque, Mexico, right? Albuquerque. Yeah, yeah, he's in New Mexico, and so. Um, yeah, it's just difficult to, to kind of get together and, you know, write like we once did when we were kids when all you had to do was homework and then go over to your friend's house and write and play music, so. Yeah, yeah. totally. Right. So into sort of that writing process and, and that last album, Metris, uh, how did you come up with the concept for this side A, like, title track, Metris Samer? All right, that's a true question. Well, <laughs> I, I thought of it... Um, I must have been reading 1984. I think I was. And I, I like, yeah, I like um, classic literature. And I say that as if I read a lot. And I really don't. And that's the thing. But the, the, the literature that I do read, a lot of the times, I, I enjoy it. Um, and I really enjoy Orwell, a, a couple of books that I've read. I've read like Animal Farm, which I loved. And I was like, I got to read 1984 because that's the classic Orwell. That's the really famous Big Brother one. And I've never read it. And it was never required in high school. So sometime in college, I was like, I'm. I've got to read 1984. It's a classic piece of literature. I've got to do it. And I really enjoyed it. I think I also read Anthem by Ayn Rand. Um, and I was like, I've got to read an Ayn Rand novel. And I'm not doing Atlas Shrugged. I do not have the patience for that because that's a tome. It's <laughs> huge novel. But there was a small, much smaller novella she had written called Anthem. And both of those were very much celebrating uh, the spirit of individualism and expressing your individuality and all of that. And the concept for Metris is not novel in any way, shape, or form. In fact, it's pretty transparent. If you go back and listen to the lyrics. But I liked two things. One, that idea of individuality and kind of celebrating that whole spirit. And two, I just thought it'd be fun to kind of create my own words and world. Mm -hmm. I'm not really great at world building. I super admire authors and storytellers who can really go into the lore and everything. I didn't have too much. But I liked the idea of creating these little things like Metra Samer being Mr. Master, but, you know, all jumbled up. And um, I liked the idea of creating words like, you know, Palisade, which was the, the new city they founded in the end when they win. Uh, but the long and short of Metris was, um, it's basically 1984, but with a happy ending. They have this big battle and a good outcome rather than him submitting to Big Brother at the end and, you know, mm -hmm. having a very depressing ending. Um, I wanted to have kind of a more hopeful note. Um, I didn't want it to be all despair and everything because some of my lyrics can be pretty dark every now and then. And I was like, but I don't want people walking away with that taste of life's bad. <laughs> <laughs> it is, and it can be, or rather it can be. But uh, I wanted a hopeful ending. Um, but I think it was because I was inspired by those those two books at that time. And I wanted to try my hand at 
world building and creating a sidelong work. I think that was something that was very proggy. And I was like, we've got to check the box of doing something that's over like 15 minutes or 20 minutes. And it ended up being way longer than we thought. It ended up being like 26 minutes. We're like, we didn't expect it to be this long. But it is. That was was one of my (laughs) follow-up questions for you was how how do you even like write a 26-minute song? Because I know there's like world building, you can write like a novel or whatever. But whenever I sit down, I'm like three minutes. That's that's my peak for how long of a song I can write. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, and it's divided up into sections. I mean, you know, there are, there are definitely like parts in their crud when we even like performed some live uh, portions of this. It was just the section that was like realization, you know, and everything. So it, we, we, you know, kind of divided that up into easier, more digestible parts, but it was all part of the same story. So that's why it was all on the same track. But um, yeah, it kind of was, we, we're heavily influenced by 2112, of course, because we're huge Rush nerds, as everybody yeah. who has listened to this show is. And so <laughs> I always ha- or, or know that about us. And when we were writing this, I always think of two different types of epics. I think of something like Supper's Ready, where everything really kind of flows into the next section, and it mm-hmm. truly is one long piece. And then you have something like 2112, which is very, very clear, and there's different sections of the music. And there's parts within the music and moods change and you you can it's very easy to know and it's very clear what changes to the next part and that was sort of the approach that we took with this is that each individual section had a purpose in the story but it was kind of an individual track it was that's kind of how we wrote it and then we would come up with the transition later or how are we going to shift from this part to this section and this section to this section so it was it was an individual process of writing each individual section to to the, to a certain degree there's must have been some overlap there in, in certain areas i'm not i don't remember but that was sort of the foundational uh component of how we constructed that entire uh what is it seven seven parts seven yeah. parts yeah seven part seven part epic is was was through that process so well it's beautiful and you did a really good job on the world building and also i've been reading a lot of dystopian novels so i very much like the positive hopeful <laughs> ending on that. It was a yeah. very refreshing compared to the content I've been consuming yeah. lately. I get that. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad there could be an uplifting note. <laughs> yeah, you definitely, you definitely nailed the intentions behind what you were going for there. So Thank you. Awesome. I'm really curious about uh, the break in between. Where did that spawn from? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, yeah. I, well, so, quick story. I think I remember. Sorry. I think I remember Go Sebastian being like, I'll give this to someone and like one of my Italian friends who like might have a connection to like PR out there or whatever. Because at the time we were really focused on, you know, establishing a presence and then really pursuing this and everything. And was, I think I remember uh, he said, oh, here's what she said. And she, she wrote something. She was like, yeah, it's pretty good. I really like this, this and this. She goes, I really didn't like break. I, re- <laughs> I, I, I really didn't care for it. Uh, you know, it was just them being silly and everything. And, and it was. Sorry. Go ahead, Dustin. I was in, on the subject of, of break. Uh, one of the things that started with this, so I guess the birth of that little song is that we had a song on the album named Aubrey, and we knew that, um, which was more of our, our second guitar player. Bez was actually not a part of Metris. Bez was Bez left after Constellation Plus when picked up a new guitar player, Sidine, which who is the guitar player that wrote and performed most of the guitar on metris and so um 
he had he had, he wanted to write something that was a little bit more commercial, and uh, which is the the spawn of that song. And we we knew that the track listing was going to be in such a way that that song was going to be sort of the kicker right after side side A, and uh, mm-hmm. it just didn't feel right flipping from. <laughs> flipping from that whole thing to go straight into like a Chicago pop piece almost. And uh, so I think Drew surprised me with it out of nowhere because I didn't know about this project. I didn't know that it was being done, but we had a keyboard player that we hired come in and play keys on this album, which was something unique to this album because we did not have a keys player for Constellation Plus. And his name was Jake Cannon. Great guy. And, uh, Jake came in and, and he was playing parts in the record and he helped us construct and write some of the parts, I believe, for something like Tomahawk Man and all of that. But he did like yeah. this random like Mr. Rogers thing of just like screwing around or whatever. <laughs> and Drew, I don't know what you did. You, you'll just have to take it from here because this is far in, in terms of the construction and the reason why it was there. I know one of the reasons was just because of the goofiness of like we just yeah, I, we were yeah, just that way. Just our, we were just that yeah, way. It's just our personalities. And you can tell even probably on our show and everything that Destin and I have just this really weird like our own language like that is it's just really like, bad sometimes references and stupid <laughs> riffs. And we'll just start riffing off of each other because we think we're funnier than we are. Why is that funny? That's not I shoot. I don't know. <laughs> why why is that funny? That's not funny. Oh, not um, funny. So we were like, you know what? There's nothing wrong with like putting that on record and being a little silly and cried. We had mentioned that. Was it was it with Caligula's horse that we were talking about that? About the whole kind of like not taking everything so seriously. Yep. Uh, or that was it wobbler. actually might have been wobbler. 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 Yeah, Wobbler was talking about, you know, you don't have to be so serious all the time. And that was us, was like Metris is pretty serious and it's a bit melodramatic. Um, at some points I still really enjoy it but it can be and we were like let's just do a stark contrast of that and show kind of our silly side and so we had this whole like me narrating and doing a god awful British accent and (laughs) that's the point uh, I just thought that would be funny (laughs) that would be funny and like Dustin said it would make this nice little like break before you get into you know this kind of more upbeat almost dancey type of song um, love song and so yeah I, I mean I just I wrote something down I was like let me just try to be like this highbrow upper crust British person just being like thanks for listening to this now we're going to transfer into you know, Aubrey which is and then and, you know I think like we kind of went meta with it as if we were like a popular band so at the end of the track you like hear like Destin and Cy being uh-huh. like hi thanks for listening you know welcome back from your music <laughs> snack that was so dumb yep Welcome back to your music snack. My name's Destin. And I'm siding. Yeah, yeah. It's unreal. But yeah, it was just like you you were getting out of the theater. That was the whole whole concept is that you're getting out of this like theater production of Metrosimere. Yep. And then you walk out. And that's what's so funny is like it's almost like the intermission. And then you leave because you hated it. That was the joke. Yep. That was was the whole joke. (laughs) I don't think anyone got. No one got. But to us, it was funny. The idea that like you're listening to Metrosimere, right? And like what's to follow is more music by Arcane Atlas. And you're like, I really hated that. So you walk out. So that's what you hear in that track and break is like this person like pushing out the door. They're going into the rest of the big theater, which I think I actually did record from, I took a recorder into a big yep. theater into, a, um, uh, it wasn't a, like a, like a stage, but it was like a movie theater, right? This big set. It was the, what was it? What was the one there, Dustin? Uh, I don't remember. Is it a Regal? It was, was the one. Regal. It was the one that was one close, close to Carmike. Right? It was one. Yeah. It was a Carmike, I think. Carmike theaters, 
and I had watched a movie, and I, I went there, and I just recorded people talking, just the ambient noise, and then I went outside, and I was like, the whole idea is that this person is like so fed up with this production that they go out and they leave, <laughs> and yet they can't escape Arcane Atlas because they're on the damn radio. Yeah. <laughs> like, and so you hear them every every channel they switch, every channel they switch, it's another Arcane another Atlas Arcane song. Atlas track. Yep. And like the final one they land on, yeah, the final one they land on is Destined Inside, introducing another. And then it goes into the. Yeah, another song, <laughs> which then go- leads into the rest of the, the, the album. That was the whole idea. That which was the was idea. Pretty great. I I thought that was dumb, but I, I really enjoyed it. So, yeah. It reminded well, me of the. Uh, it reminded me of like a B side of a Pink Floyd album, like where you hear them kind of talking and joking around and goofing off with each other. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> it's it's pretty dumb. Well, um, we're coming up on time here a little bit, but why don't we wrap it up with? one more sort of general question. Uh, mm-hmm. And that would be, uh, what is your current favorite album and what is an influential album from your past, from each of your pasts that inspired your current style? Current favorite album just ever? Yeah, so give us two. So like current favorite album and then something that really influenced you as a creative. Well, I've said for a long time that my favorite album is The Dark Side of the Moon by Pink Floyd. And I I think I still have to stick with that because of how important that was. And it really was kind of this transformative experience when I when I heard that and was at a point in my life when I was very impressionable. Mm-hmm. And that came in at just the right time to really kind of open my mind as to what music could be um, and how it could affect someone. And so I would still say that that's probably my favorite album ever. And, you know, and I don't listen to it very often because to me it's almost it's almost sacred. So I need to be in like a special headspace and I need to dedicate time to it mm-hmm. because it is this one continual piece besides the break in the middle. It's this experience, right? It's this experience that I think is it's best experienced when it's when it's you know in its entirety. Right when it's heard in its entirety. So I have to say that as far as something that was really influential for us, I'd have to say probably 2112 or maybe moving pictures from a collective standpoint from from everyone in the band starting out. I think that Rush yeah. in general was our most influential band. Uh, you know, again, no surprise. We talk about them all the time. Uh, 2112, I would probably say, was a really, really big album i mean all of their albums were but i think that one specifically for us and maybe moving pictures yeah i don't know what about you Dustin? yeah for me uh favorite record and i say this for for two reasons really but favorite record is probably tribute by yanni and uh which is weird because it's not you would, you would expect that it would be like a you know a pioneer progressive rock track or whatever <laughs> progressive rock album or whatever um, but that's that's probably my favorite record, and the reason why it's my favorite record is because it's the very first album that I heard. It was the very first live DVD that I ever watched, too. And it actually is what, when I think about what got me into music, it was actually that record. I remember when I was young, we we you know this is, we had VHS of Tribute by Yanni, and I remember we would sit in our big great room, and I was living in Knoxville, Tennessee at the time. And we would throw that thing in there, and my parents would just play it. They would just play it out. And it's funny because 
I go back and listen to it now, and I don't think they realize what they were playing. I don't think my parents realized like what what this was because it contains elements in music now that I enjoy. Like all, I mean, it's got it's got anything from odd time signatures, bass solos, uh, like instrumental sections, soloing. Um, there's also lyrics and on a, on a part of the track, there's also like, it's, you know, Yanni is sort of new world kind of thing. And so there's symphonic elements and I love, I love that. And, uh, also world instruments are being used. So there's different types of like Chinese flutes and stuff like that. They're being involved in the music and all of that. And it's also, uh, was performed live in front of like these incredible, in, in, in these incredible places, uh, the forbidden kingdom. It was played in the Forbidden Kingdom. That's when they performed it. And then they also performed it, and it was the very first time ever that the Taj Mahal was ever lit up at night. It was it was the very first time the Taj Mahal was ever lit up at night was when they performed this record in front of it. And so the DVD to me is so foundational for me and for music. So I always say my first love of music was Yanni, but what got me into drums was Neil Peart. That's that's usually what I tell people and how I got into the into the progressive rock stuff and honestly probably maybe i don't know but um why i i really enjoy some of the strings and stuff like that in our music especially the end of um of metris where we have that that string section which reminds me of sort of the symphonic quote-unquote roots that i have in a certain way and so that would be my my favorite record i love it it's phenomenal um and uh what was the follow-up question to that i forget uh your one that's influential when it's influential okay um i would say let's see here i'm gonna stick with so this is interesting because for for when we did constellation plus our our very first record when we recorded that the biggest influence for me for i'm gonna speak from a drumming perspective the biggest influence for me was neil peart and rush and then after that when we went into metris i was super into gavin harrison and porcupine tree and so my my influences from a drumming style really changed between those two records. And I can go back and listen to it, and, and I'm like, wow, yeah, there, there's a massive shift there. And so specifically to Metris, which has been the album that we've been speaking about on this on this episode in this podcast, is uh, the biggest one of the biggest albums was probably also once again Porcupine Tree's live album Anesthetize uh, mm. with just a ton of a ton of just absolutely insane drumming on that record that is totally and and it's the craziest thing too because gavin doesn't normally he doesn't let loose on the studio tracks but these live tracks are utterly insane they're just utterly incredible he just goes berserk in a great way like he's not overplaying i don't think in my opinion at all but i would say that would uh that record and it's funny because both of these both of the albums that i've mentioned are live albums Yanni Tribute is a live album, um, and Anesthetize is also a live album. But I don't know. That's just, I guess I just like the sound of them and the, and the performances on them. So that would be my uh, influential record from a, from a drumming perspective and a musician, truly. I'll have to awesome. check out Yanni Tribute. Oh, it's and so it's, good. It's interesting. You're talking about Dark Side of the Moon by Pink Floyd being your favorite album. Mine's Division Bell. So oh, yeah. Throw that personal mm. anecdote in their all-time favorite album great band very nice so good but so yeah good. it looks like we're up on time here but thank you so much for allowing us to host prog notes spotlight on Never your kicking you out prog notes 
episode. I yeah. hope that I hope that your audience loves your new dorky dorky hosts from Canada. <laughs> there we go. I'm sure they will. Yeah, yeah it's, it's gonna be great. We're super excited yeah. for you guys to be interviewing all kinds of all kinds of people. There's just we've had so many people oh, reach out sure. to us about You're you know, excited. Hey, can you be on the show. Yeah. I'm excited. <laughs> it's gonna be great. It's gonna be great. So I'm I'm really, really excited for it. So and thank you guys for allowing us to be on the very first episode of of Spotlight. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no this worries. I, I'm, yeah, very much looking forward to all the hijinks we can get up to. <laughs> yep. That's it, man. That's it. So awesome. Listen, we've had a lot of fun here today, but that doesn't detract from some of the real dangers of Prague. So if you or a loved one has been exposed to Prague or experiences symptoms like depressing music making you happy or not being able to <laughs> headbang to 4-4, you may be entitled mm. to compensation. Oh! You can take any claims up with Destin. Oh, shoot. Shoot. Amazing. Just just send us an email. I guess I'll deal with that. Destin's <laughs> <laughs> a complaint department. Yep. Just give it give a call to the give a call to the hotline. Prognos hotline. We'll get that fixed for you. We would like to thank you so much for listening to this edition of Spotlight. If you enjoyed the episode or learned something new, please subscribe. If you'd like to hear more interviews and get more Prog Rock content, you can become a special Prognos patron at patreon.com slash prognotes. Also, come join our Discord community, a chat room for all Prog Rock fans and fans of the show. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook. All of these links are in this episode's description. Join us next time as we discover the past, present, and future of Prog Rock. Destin and Drew will be back with another episode on the 15th. See you on Discord. Thanks and goodbye!